Hello and welcome to episode 194 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and today uh, we're recording in the evening, but we will definitely finish before the morning. Uh, we're talking about Until Dawn, the choice-based action-adventure sorta RPG, sorta visual novel from 2015. And uh, to join me on this discussion, I am accompanied by Peter Treisenberg. Hi, I'm Peter Treisenberg. Uh, you may know me as one of the news people on the site. And can we all just collectively agree that Rami Malek should have won his Oscar for this instead? Okay, thank you. Yeah, the, the less we talk about the movie Rami Malek starred in, the better, because that was a sort of feel-good movie that did, that was okay to enjoy, but not okay to win so many Oscars. Um, <laughs> yeah, Glare yeah. at Brian Singer. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I would prefer Rami Malek... Uh, you know, be remembered for Until Dawn and uh, uh, Mr. Robot than for Bohemian Rhapsody. But, but obviously, we're all missing we're all missing his real great appearance in uh, Night at the Museum. Oh yeah, okay, I uh, I definitely forgot about that. <laughs> we we all wish we did a little bit. I think I think of that movie and I feel sad for Ben Stiller's career and Robin Williams's life mostly. Yeah, no, exactly, hundred percent. <laughs> but okay, back to what we're supposed to be talking about, Peter. You and I just can't avoid talking about movies on these podcasts. I mean, it's, that... it's, I'm sorry, it comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the last episode we were on together. We talked about movies for a uh, for a full hour twenty, which, but I think that was by design. Anyway, back to Until Dawn. Speaking of movies, um, Until Dawn is a again choice based horror visual novel thriller with some action that is very much rooted in movies. This is basically a slasher horror movie in video game form, and it uh, it marketed itself as that and was pretty successful. I mean, when this game came out in 2015, it was a pretty big hit. Everyone and their friend was uh, streaming it or watching it on a stream, and uh, uh, Twitch streaming is you know quite huge today and maybe wasn't as huge in 2015, and I think that this, uh, Until Dawn's... Um, you know, window of popularity, uh, like was important to Twitch. Yeah, no, I, 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 I could agree with that. I mean, my first exposure to the game was even, um, um, let's a let's place, um, live stream at Mark. I think it was Markiplier's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty sure. But that, cause I was, and then that was, and that was a really interesting way to kind of engage with the game with, um, as people were like people, you know, people were chiming in, trying to make this decisions and, uh, trying to affect play, the way things played out. I thought and it was, it was kind of fascinating in that little, that little bubble of time when the game first came out in a lot of ways. Isn't it kind of, it's kind of feels like until dawn is like quant, a quantic dream game done. Right. Is it, that fair to say? Um, maybe I felt like it was a telltale game with a much larger budget. Um, that, that also works be, because our, RIP. yeah, our, our <laughs> poor one out for telltale games, which, who's a, which I, I was only a casual fan of telltale, but I enjoyed several of the ones I played, but anyway, telltale also has these, uh, timed decisions to be, uh, to be made, uh, that, or I should say decisions that sometimes you're timed and are urgent and sometimes are less urgent. But uh, Until Dawn has a much bigger budget. It was a Sony, a PS4 exclusive that had a, a, I mean, it seemed to have a lot of Sony support. Like Sony advertised it a lot and it felt like an expensive game when I was playing it. Oh, yo, they are, they are flexing so hard in this game. Like there's, the, the, they, they got, aside from having the, the aforementioned Rami Malek, Hayden Panettiere's in it, Peter Stormare. They have some name name big name actors. Well, I mean big name. They have some good some good actors in here, and the motion capture technology they've got. Yeah, they, 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 these these act- cutting edge for the time. Yeah, these actors are emoting. Like it's um, yeah. it, uh, I, I don't. I mean, it, they're clearly video game characters. There's I don't think there's a ton. There's of a bit un- of un- there's a bit of uncanny. Going maybe on. a little uncanny valley, but uh, I, I was oh, oh, I was basically comfortable with it. Like like oh, these people look like video like video game people, but it's expensive good-looking video game people yeah exactly and the environments like the environment like you, you you have fairly limited interaction with the environments a lot of the game is um fairly linear i would say but the the backdrops are like be- are beautiful like it is a really pretty looking game in a lot of spots the the death animations when they do play out are very grisly and very lovingly rendered <laughs> yeah and the game is pathed it's not like it's not really open world ever but but like the moving through the game everything looks gorgeous everything's very shadowy dark and light are sort of important in this game and mm-hmm. i just thought it was a good looking game but not real enough to be 
unsettling, but there was, there's plenty of blood to make this game unsettling. It's unsettling on oh, its yeah. own for other reasons. Um, but we're, we're dancing, I'm dancing around a little bit. I, do, I wasn't able to finish this game for technical reasons. Uh, I got through the prologue and most of Chapter 1 pretty cleanly, but then I started running into errors on my PS4 where it was either unable to finish the install or unable to read the disc. And, and, I, and I tried resetting it and deleting my data and restoring it multiple times, but I kept running into this uh, this incomplete install data error, and I was unable to make it past chapter one, which is which is, is sad because I was starting to get invested in really enjoying the game. Uh, I I, do, I don't have a, a huge background with horror games or horror movies, but there's a few that I really love, like oh like Evil Dead Two and Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. and the and the Scream series, which I think does not make me a horror enthusiast, but definitely puts me in the right headspace for this kind of game. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Uh, because this game is definitely living in horror tropes and in horror film tradition, especially slasher horror, which is my favorite kind in the movie world. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it's it, it kind of cribs from a lot of different horror movie influences. Like, there's a bit of um, there's a lot of slasher film tropes, cabin in the woods, you know, Kent type teenagers stranded alone uh, type stuff. There's a bit of supernatural stuff that comes into play later. Mm, well, um, a lot. I mean, I mean. The, Evil Dead goes into the supernatural stuff um, also, but I thought right. that um, I, I didn't finish the game, but I did watch some videos so I would be familiar with every point of the game, and, I, and I'm not, and I, I don't care about spoilers most of the time, so I was okay doing some uh, side research. And it might it might go into zombie movie territory a little bit towards the it, end. It kind of does, and in fact, the game's kind of genre savvy about it. There's a bit where, okay, I guess full, full, full going full tilt. Once the monsters start showing up, a character gets bitten. Right, and and a major decision point is like once they're freaking out, wondering what they have to do about that. Turns out it's <laughs> it, it, not infectious. Yeah, but but it, but it feels like these characters have seen zombie movies before, so they're worried if the bite is infectious or not. <laughs> like, yeah, like, exactly. Is, is she, she going to turn into a monster or not? And that's a that's the decision you have to make. And it's I should fairly clever writing. <laughs> yeah, and I should mention uh, while we're talking about spoilers, um, that we will spoil the hell out of this game throughout this podcast, probably with little warning before. So, so like, uh, if you have a chance, if you have a chance to play until dawn and you haven't yet and you're listening to this podcast uh just just uh turn it off go play it it's actually not that long honestly. or or, or watch a, a or watch a stream or watch a let's play because the game is um allegedly uh nine to ten hours and mm-hmm. uh and it was very very widely streamed um uh i guess throughout the, through the past four years so it should not be difficult to find a stream if you're interested did, did rpg fan do uh one of these i'm not positive I, you know, I don't actually know. I'm gonna look this up right now. Actually, that's that's um, worth looking up because I would if if we have a chance to plug our video team, I would happily do so. And uh, and again, this game is ideal for streaming because there are decision points, um, some of which are probably trivial, like uh, g- going left or right or following. Oh, hey. Rob, oh. Rob reviewed Until Dawn for us. Interesting. Oh, cool. So we did, so at least we covered it a little bit. That's a that's yeah. a good start. Um, but the. Uh, the old joke about Telltale games is that uh, you make a lot of decisions along the way, but you sort of always end in the same place. This game, I think the decisions feel meaningful, even if you don't know what the what the outcome of the decision is. Like, if the your decision is to follow, uh, this is from the prologue, so ultimately was it was trivial. Like, do you follow the noise that you heard, or do you follow the footsteps that you found? It would like yeah, going going left or going right. That um, you don't know what the outcome of this is. There's no, there's no hints that will, you know, that feel like one leads to death, one leads to safety, but yeah, very, of, but, but very often these decisions will be death versus safety. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of the early, some of the events are pretty fixed like that. The, the, the beginning is a pretty, um, yeah, the, the prologue, the, pro- the, story. the prologue is important, is important details, but I don't think the decisions you make in the prologue ever matter, but it gives you, but it gives you a good show of, um, it just, it, it does give you a good, a good indicator of what's to come, and it does affect a small detail at the very end, but um, it's not—it's nothing major, just a, a small detail. But it shows they're paying attention. Um, I should mention, um, it looks like we actually did stream until dawn. Excellent. Um, back in April, um, Cat streamed it on our Twitch channel. April of so April of this year. April of this year, yeah, it okay. was actually pretty recent. So if you guys want to go check that out, uh, definitely do so. You know? Right, I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Twitch streams, but you should be able to find that in RPG fans, 
uh, twitch.tv page archives somewhere. So April 2019, Cat was the streamer for that. So th- that's that's excellent. Please, uh, if listeners, if you are interested in watching a stream of this, use RPG fan stream. But yeah, uh, Until Dawn cribs a lot from it. Cribs a lot from Evil Dead, a little bit of Saw, a little bit of uh, Jason Voorhees. <laughs> um, th- there's there's a major part. Uh, there's a major part where like um, a character sets up like a series of death traps with televisions and recordings designed to like give instructions to the player that feels very lifted from a jigsaw's playbook Mm -hmm. um it even it even gets a little bit into the descent later on with the system of caves and the the monster the wendigo monsters right Um, and when i first learned that the monster in this game is the wendigo that reminded me of the marvel comics wendigo which is basically just you know basically just a yeti of some kind and uh the wendigo monster from the (laughs) from the x-men arcade game who just shouts his name like a pokemon (laughs) yeah no i i remember that it also there's also a pretty good um robert carlisle guy pierce movie called ravenous that is um (laughs) that's about wendigos that is worth checking out if you want to see one of my favorite actors just going completely ham um (laughs) welcome to die but uh yeah so that was my first thought when i heard wendigo but in this uh, in this game, Wendigo is uh, okay. I, I think also historically, it's an ad- it's a creature from certain Native American folklores, and in this game, a Wendigo is a spirit that takes over someone's body and turns them into a monster after they've consumed human flesh. Yep. So there's um, so so there's some cannibal horror, some zombie like horror, and some monster chasing you in the dark wilderness horror all going on in this game. But yeah, mo- but the Wendigo stuff is mostly in the second half. Like the the first yeah. half is a psycho pursuing people in this in this house, and then in the second half, the, the it takes a supernatural turn, and you're being hunted down by Wendigos. Mm-hmm. Yep, but definitely. If, there, if there's a certain horror movie trope that pushes your buttons, you're probably gonna find it. The game, even early on, it kind of does the Silent Hill shattered memories. The game plays you as much as you play <laughs> it thing, where you have to like um. Peter Stormare plays like a therapist. Um, the world, the world's worst, the world's worst therapist, I should mention, <laughs> who um, will probe you, the player, to answer questions to give your worst fears, which will affect the game in subtle ways, like modifying the lighting in certain scenes to not so subtle ways, like which Halloween mask jumps out at you during a, a jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> right, but okay, um, we're gonna re- rewind it back a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the prologue in chapter one, and then the characters of the game before we okay. go. Before we get into the uh, the more plot heavy points in the prologue, you uh, there are ten people in a cabin, but you you don't see all of them. I think you only see maybe seven or eight of them at first, and uh, two of them are Beth and Hannah, who are two mm-hmm. are twin girls, and um and f- four or five of the other people decide to play a prank on Hannah. Hannah has a crush on this guy named Mike. But Mike is dating one of the other people in the lodge, and they trick her into meeting Mike in his bedroom, and she thinks she's going to be there to, you know, make out with Mike, so she takes off her shirt, and then everyone jumps out of the closet or from under the bed, surprising her, completely humiliating Hannah. So so Hannah sprints out of the house, weeping, and her twin sister Beth chases after her. And this goes extremely poorly. <laughs> uh, to say the least, both yeah. girls end up falling off a cliff. Yeah, the, both the girls end up fall, uh, are being chased by something, and they fall off a cliff. And uh, uh, Beth takes an, uh, a horrible blow to her back. Like you can see her back crack over a rock. It's pretty. Gr- that's maybe the first really gruesome moment of the game. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, then in chapter one, uh, you're being you're mostly controlling a girl named Sam, but but you but uh, or at least at the beginning you are. But you sort of take turns controlling almost all eight of the other lodge uh, lodge goers. Um, yep, you'll you'll be playing as as all of them at least once. Yes, uh, but at least you start out as Sam. And these eight, eight people, one of them, Josh, is the older brother of the two of the two twins. And uh, the and basically the twins went missing after the events of the prank on Hannah, and they're presumed dead. And uh, and Josh, their older brother, was obviously bro- pretty broken up about it. But he decided to invite all of the same seven other people to this lodge to sort of put it behind them. Which is the first ridiculous decision anyone makes in this game. Like, why on earth would you go back to the lodge where two of your friends died 
why? Well, Come on, man. They're, they're teenagers. They're not the most forward-thinking people on the planet. Okay, agreed. But still, this is not the, like if I was one of those seven other people, I would decline this inter- this invitation ten times out of ten. Like, 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 no, I don't want to go to the terrifying horror lodge where two of my cute friends died. No, well, I don't know. It's a terrifying horror lodge yet. They, they don't. I, I think the thing is the thing. The thing of it is, is that we know what happens to Hannah and Beth, but right. they only know that they went missing. And right. that it was maybe their fault, so it was 100 percent their fault. So yeah, I um, mean, uh, Josh seems to blame himself because he he was he was not involved in the prank. He was passed out, uh, drunk on a chair. In fact, uh, you can try to wake him up as Beth in the prologue chapter, but he stays asleep. So and and I'm not I'm not sure if all seven of the people uh, jumped out on Hannah. I think no, a couple of them are new. A couple of them are newcomers, like people yeah. are broken up, paired off with new. Matt Matt is uh the Emily the the old the girlfriend's new new boy toy. Yeah, Matt and, was um, Mike was definitely there. Matt was not. And I, 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 think, I, I, Jessica, think, I think Jessica is Mike's new uh, squeeze too. I think, I, think, but I, I thought Jessica was there. I don't remember honestly. I know I know Emily was. I know Sam was. I know Chris was, and right, Ashley I, was. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't remember because Chris is the nerdy guy. I, re- I remember him from the yeah. first chapter. Ash- but... Ashley and Emily were definitely there because I think it was Emily's idea, and Ashley was kind of is kind of like the groupie. Right. Okay. I'm checking a list now. Mike, Emily, Jessica, Matt, and Ashley were the ones that played the prank. Okay. And uh, it looks like Chris was not there, and um, and Sam was sort of like trying to talk them out of the prank, and was a few rooms over when they humiliated Hannah. So, okay. so most of them are uh, were involved in this in this gotcha. prank, but uh, but it's and and uh, but Josh was passed out um, in a different part of the house. Okay. And uh, so this is the first anniversary of his sister's disappearance, and Josh invites everyone back to the lodge. And in chapter one, um, you have uh, I, I, you're controlling Sam at the beginning, and you're sort of learning the mechanics of the game again a little bit. You you examine some items, you take this path or that path. You can you meet a squirrel. Don't shoot! Don't shoot the animals. Yeah, yeah, and there and there there's a part where you uh, sort of like learn the gun mechanics of the game, and uh, and you shoot some targets, and you have the op- option to shoot a squirrel or not. And believe it or not, something as trivial as shooting the squirrel or not shooting the squirrel matters later. <laughs> yeah, they do, they really do a good. That's, that's the they, they, the game introduces like it brings up the concept of the butterfly effect, like yes. the idea that like something a small inconsequential decision will eventually have momentous consequences later on. And for the most part, they actually play very well on that, on that concept. Um, every so often, whenever you make a major decision, little butterflies will fly across the screen, and it's an indication that something is either going to pay off later or you're seeing the repercussions of that event. And as we mentioned before, there's going to be several decisions that you make throughout the game, and they, uh, even small ones, m- w- may have effects later. Like it's a, uh, it's it's not always predictable, and might even feel semi-random. But mm-hmm. uh, the the out the outcome of the game is totally dependent on these decisions that you make, and uh, there are routes that where all eight uh, um, people can survive, and routes where all eight people can die. And mm-hmm. but but again, we mentioned that the first half is sort of uh, teens versus a psychopath, and the second half is teens versus Wendigo. But let's focus on the psychopath half first. Um, okay. The t- the people get separated, and uh, three of them, uh, Chris, Ashley, and Josh, use a sort of a Ouija board kind of thing to try and see if they can contact uh, Hannah or Beth. And uh, Speak, rule number check off another bucket on the. This is really quite insensitive, you guys. List. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no kidding. It's just like, really, why are you doing this? This is this is not good decision making. The one uh, thing they don't—they're not even one hundred percent sure they're dead. Secondly, right? Like, seriously, he's grieving. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and, and Josh is one of the people there using the spirit board, and yeah. uh, but and that ends and that ends with um. All three being chained up, and Josh, the one who was the older brother of the twins, uh, getting sawed in half. But uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I think I think that's an in, an unavoidable scene. You can't change that. Nope. Even if you if you if you try to if you try to kill Ashley in during that scene, the saw is predetermined. Um, that will affect something later on. Um, in terms of how Ashley responds to Chris. Yeah, but but, but, but Josh is the Josh, one who's gruesomely cut in half every yeah, time. Yeah, that is unavoidable. Yeah. Uh. 
but it basically uh, through a uh, there's more encounters with the psycho. Uh, there's scenes where uh, I think um like like uh, Matt Sam and gets Sam, chased with yeah yeah Sam, Sam gets Sam chased is, with the world's most gravity resistant towel. Yes, yeah, Sam, Sam is <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good brand of towel. Maybe the maybe the towel has like a has like a magnetic clasp on the back or something. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how that stays on. But like yeah. Matt and Sam are chased separately by the psycho. Uh, there's uh. There are multiple death trap scenarios similar to the Saw movies, guided by guided by televisions and other hidden messages, like you mentioned before. But then, uh, listener, you might remember that there's a route where all eight people survive. So how does Josh survive if he is always cut in half? It's because well, that was faked. It's Josh is the psycho. He faked his death, and he's and this was a, basically an extremely elaborate prank to punish the other people for making it, for possibly for uh, causing the death of his sisters. That's that's the first twist of the game. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big one. Um, uh, Josh is play, the character played by Rami Malek, who's yes. of course like he's a big, he's a big name actor now. He's won an Academy Award. Uh, he's been in a lot of really good television shows um, and and movies. And uh, this, he gets, he kind of goes off the rails in this game a bit, and it's kind of glorious to behold. Yeah, um, I think that Sam maybe has the most dialogue. In the first half yeah. of the game, no. Sam is the final girl, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, uh, and... <laughs> but uh, but but Josh has maybe the most outsized role in the middle because he's really the the star of the first big twist of the game. Uh, but Josh did not anticipate the you know the presence of these supernatural Wendigos on the mountain, and that sort of takes center stage yeah. in the second half of the game. So yeah, so, uh, early, so, early so, on... so early so early on, it's uh, uh people are being chased by this psycho murderer. Uh, they like. The the um the player decisions to uh for self preservation or or even like trying to sacrifice other characters will matter later, but Mike, but, but the Mike ultimate stakes and... in the Sorry. in the, like the first third of the game are a little moot because Josh is not intending to kill anyone. No, Josh is really there. He's his main goal is just to scare people, and um, which is why once he finds out early on in the game, Jess gets nabbed by one of the monsters. Um, and can wind up dead depending on how you treated her. Um, if, um, but Josh is surprised to hear that because that wasn't part of his plan, and that's the first indication to the, the characters that, oh, okay, something else is going on up here. Yeah, it's not. It's not only Josh's elaborate prank. It's, uh, and again, we'll get into the Wendigo stuff in a second. But, uh, but let's talk about all of the characters together now. Um, n- not the twins, but of the other eight main characters, like. Uh, do you think Rami's, uh, or I should say, Josh is the best performance, or do you have like a favorite character other than Josh? I think I think Josh, Mike, and um, and Sam Hayden Panettiere probably get the most to work with um, in terms of the fact that they are clearly like Mike has kind of got the Bruce Campbell jawline thing going. I feel like he's kind of meant to be that archetype in the in the show, or even though he's kind of a douche nozzle, he's still kind of <laughs> he's still kind of the, the "Quote unquote leading man," so to speak. Um, he tries to take charge. He try. He probably makes the most forward momentum in the story. He has this whole side side segment in the uh, in an abandoned sanatorium that's also on the mountain. Which, by the way, this mountain is a nesting ground for horror movie cliches. Yeah, it, yeah. It has a it has a it has dense forests and an abandoned mine and an abandoned sanatorium, which you know, mental hospital, old world mental hospital, multiple cabins and lodges. It's almost like a, like like a semi-abandoned city network is yeah, no kidding is is here. Um, yeah, again, again, right for different uh, movie tropes and horror tropes to take place. But, uh, but, yeah. but, but, so do you think that Mike has sort of the best performance? I think I think he does a really a, a pretty good job with what he's given. Um, I, Hayden also does a really good job. Um, as and she she's and she, played, she plays girl, and so. she yeah she plays Sam and I think she had the maybe the most uh, player control in the first half of the game. But uh, but again, this Definitely. is me. This is me spitballing a little bit since I only I didn't play past chapter one. You know, you play as her and Chris quite a bit in the early portion. Her, Chris, and Ashley very much in the early portions. Um. I like I liked Ashley. Ashley seemed like a, I don't know, li- like a less pure Sam. Like 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 she's yeah. nice and she tries. And I think Chris has a thing for her. But, yeah, Chris uh, has a thing for her. Um, and, Ashley and, uh, has. A, I think she's kind of the groupie. Like she's she's part of the group and she likes and, and she's nice. 
but she's also played a pretty big part in the in ganging up on Hannah, so she feels really guilty about that. Yeah, I think she's a bit of a follower, and maybe yeah. got and maybe got sort of caught up in the prank on Hannah. She definitely was around for that prank, yeah. Uh, and she, but she probably blames herself as a little bit because she's you know not as not quite as uh, mean as Jessica, Jessica or Emily. Seemed a little bit more yeah. mean spirited than Ashley. But I uh, like Chris I, overall. I, I like her, uh, Chris, the the nerdy guy who likes her. I really like yeah. him. Although you can play him as a complete as a complete uh, jerk. Yeah, one of the yeah. scenes I saw. I think it takes place in chapter two or three. Is uh, like Chris and Ashley are being chased, and uh, mm-hmm. and and like Chris can sort of can sort of like cover for Ashley or just be selfish and try to save himself. Yeah, and so and, and then later yeah. when they're being hunted down by Wendigos, Ashley gets to a cabin before Chris, and if Chris sort of left uh, through Ashley under the bus earlier, she'll lock the door on him. Yep, <laughs> and, that he'll, is, and, that he'll get, is. and he'll get straight up murdered. Like, like that's the kind of uh, unforeseeable decision making I like in this game. It's like, oh, if yeah. you didn't cover for Ashley early in the game, Ashley will sell you out and watch you die later in the game. That's yep. that, that's what I'm here for. She, she has a few different reactions to Chris's death depending on how many of those interactions you chose to take the low road on and it's actually pretty great like they really did think of everything um yeah that's that, that's great like I, I that that's the kind of variance in in scenario that i want in a choice-based game like this mm-hmm. and and what and again makes this game feel more elaborate and expensive than a telltale game because telltale games will have different scenarios but won't but uh, I don't know because the the visuals aren't at the level of this game. Like feel, it, it feels like just it would just be a dialogue difference in a Telltale game. Where here it feels like really yeah. major consequences and really subtle differences in reaction at the same. Yeah, time. it feels like the Telltale the Telltale brand fully realized. Like what if instead of deciding to churn out the same game, which ultimately did lead to the downfall of the studio in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Telltale overextended. And overestimated how some of their, uh, you know, popular properties would do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they made a lot of expensive brand deals and didn't return on an investment. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but until dawn, I don't know how uh, how successful it was financially for Sony or Supermassive. But it it felt like it was a game of a moment that was expensive and cool and had more meaningful decisions than a Telltale game. Mm-hmm. Which uh, again, I keep bringing you back to that example because Telltale is sort of my. Uh, sort of my benchmark or or, or my yeah. you know, my control group for a decision based game like it's this. It's set the standard for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, going back to the characters a bit, though, um, right? We also have Emily and Matt. Who Emily is Mike's ex girlfriend, the one um, he was with at the time of the tragedy, mm-hmm. and Matt is her new boyfriend. Um, and the game has a massive hate boner for both of them, and I don't really understand it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think that Emily and Jessica are both sort of. Pers- uh, um, portrayed as sort of mean spirited, and they're 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 really unfair to Emily, especially. Like, no, they're... Emily Emily has a lot of Emily has the cruelest Wendigo death. They, oh. Every character has a unique has a unique death animation for if they get caught by a Wendigo, and hers is by far the worst. She gets her like eyes gouged out. Oh, gross. Okay, yeah, it's it's nasty. Um, but she also has a couple unique situations where she, she has another unique situation where she can get killed. Um, Matt has a whopping total of three unique death animations, including two scenarios that are just bad ends for him. Um, and I don't really understand it because other than just kind of being Emily's like side piece, I don't really get what he did to deserve this much anguish. I think he, Um, I think he was, well, I mean, he was in the room when they did the prank on Hannah. Uh, but, maybe, but I but I mean that doesn't make that doesn't mean he should get, have it worse than everyone yeah. else that was there in the so, room. <laughs> I need I need to talk about this is the decision because the, yeah he has easily the worst death animation in the whole game. Oh god, so um, so, so, so worse than Emily's eye gouging. It's I, worse than Emily's eye gouging. Um, so fair warning, graphic content descriptor. Um, so er, there's a decision point um, around the middle of the game where you have Emily and and Matt go to radio for help. Smart decision. Um, a rare fire... smart decision in a in a game or story like this. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Um, but um, they go. Um, the fire can the fire watchtower they're in starts collapsing, and Emily is dangling above a precipice. You have to choose whether to go save her or to save yourself. And in this specific instance, it actually is the correct decision to try to save yourself if you want Matt to live. Because if you go to save Emily, 
the not only does she still fall because there's a section where you play as her later, Matt is now stuck in a dead end path where he is grabbed by one of the monsters and impaled through his jaw on a meat hook. Um, and you get this really long close up uh. of his mouth filling with blood and his eyes rolling in the back of his skull. And it is the most gruesome death. And I'm just like, mm. but it's in the path where you do what you feel probably would have been the right thing. It's not the right decision, but you don't, you might not know that. So it feels like he gets weird punished for trying to save his girlfriend. And I'm like, why? <laughs> what, did Matt, what did Matt do to you guys? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, if, that, if, if, if anything, gross. like if anything, um, the people I'm sort of blaming for the, the people who I think deserve it the most, even though no one deserves it, of course, would it, probably Emily, Jessica, or Mike are the ones that seem to be the cruelest in dealing with Hannah at the beginning of the game. But yeah. but yeah, but, uh, I guess that that sounds like Matt has the worst death animation because I, mean, I only yeah. looked at I only looked up a couple sort of death scenarios, and that's. I didn't come across that one, and it, it seems quite gruesome compared to the others. It's very, yeah, it's very gruesome, and like and like the, the like yeah, the other ones I don't think even come close to that. There's a lot of them. The guy, a lot of the other guys get pretty pretty clear clear cut decapitations. Mm-hmm. Matt Matt can get the meat hook ending, fall off a cliff and get his head crushed, or a Wendigo will if a Wendigo catches him, he has a, a, his own unique death animation for that, and it's like I don't know. <laughs> and uh, you you didn't tell me this exactly, so I might be wrong, but I think I saw you mention on social media that you did uh, get the good ending uh, playing it this time, get, or, uh, or at, I, at least you got it, you got an ending where all eight survived. I did. I had to reload it once though because okay. I made a boneheaded decision near the very end and got Jessica killed. So, um, all right, but but, um, but uh, humor me for a second. Is yeah. is it extremely narrow? Like, do you have to make? Uh, uh, a bunch of decisions go a certain way, like like ninety percent of decisions, very specifically. Or is it, or is it a little a bit more open open ended than that? It's a little more open ended. A couple of them are pretty clear cut. Um, anytime the game te- the game the game has a mechanic where um you have to hold the controller still, um, um because the PS4 motion so it uses the PS4's little motion sensor. Um, and those are usually for segments where you're hiding from one of the Wendigos. If you fail any of those, those usually result in a character death. Um, and those are the majority of those like really sudden deaths. As far as decisions go, um, we have be nice to Ashley for Chris. Don't save Emily for, for Matt. Um, uh, I don't think Mike and Sam can actually die until the very end. Um, I'm pretty sure there's there because I don't think that you can get to the end without both of them. So there, they pretty much have plot armor until that last sequence. Um, even though some of their segments are very tense. Um, and then I do, and then the other one I don't and then um let me th- I'm trying to think if there's any other decision-based ones that yeah, I, I, haven't, I don't think I there done, are i have not done deep research into how to get the best ending in this game um the, 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 the bad decision i made was um there's a point where you can hide or you can run and if you keep running the monster catches up to you um uh that was that was what happened on my playthrough other than that though i think most of the other ones are pretty much just um those quick time event sequences if you fail one of those it's going to result in somebody getting killed right and the quick time events are usually either just uh, printing, pressing a button within a certain time window, or like aiming over a reticule, like like shooting a target within a certain exactly time, uh, within a exactly certain time window. yep. Or uh, or no, or not moving the controller when it tells you not to move it. Right. I uh, I did do a couple of those. I did do a couple of those, but they were low stakes versions when you were basically learning the mechanics of the game. And in, in the, the high stakes versions are hard, man. The controller oh, okay. vibrates. There's a little heartbeat sound effect coming from the controller. And like at the very end, like the monsters like all up in the camera, like snarling. Like oh, if that, you're that like can, that can be that can gotta, be scary. If you're prone to jump scares, it really does put you in the in the in the mode there for sure. <laughs> Let's see. I want we've uh, talked about most of the characters: uh, Josh, Chris, Matt, Mike, then Ashley, Jessica, Emily, Sam. Uh, let's go back to the twins. Uh, and we mentioned at the beginning of the uh, at the be- near the beginning of this episode that Wendigos are sort of hunting the people after the the cat's out of the bag and Josh reveals his prank. And we learn that Wendigos are monsters 
that were form monsters that were formerly human, uh, but mm -hmm. became possessed by a spirit and then transformed into monsters after they ate human flesh. And there's yeah. a, I, I think in the early chapters you can find like old news articles and a diary about several miners that got trapped in the nearby mine or the mine nearby the lodge and and many of them turned into wendigos because they had to resort resort to cannibalism to survive and then after they're rescued they start slowly turning into wendigos and so, some some of the wendigos on the mountain were those former miners and uh there's a, a mysterious guy who's been hunting wendigos in the mountain for probably decades <laughs> is trying <laughs> yeah is tra tracks down several of the wendigos and is but is unable to kill them uh uh, so yeah, he, so he traps them instead. Yeah, yeah, so he traps them and locks them in the cells of this former mental hospital or sanatorium. Is is how a lot is how uh, and and later in the game when you're going through the sanatorium, you you know some of the Wendigos get out, and that's a that's a problem. But maybe the main, the most important Wendigo of all is uh, Josh's little sister Hannah. Yep, and that that one you can kind of probably you can see that one coming. Although I yeah. love the way they do the reveal; it's pretty great. Um. Uh, you you get you if you you have to go off a little beaten path um, to find Hannah's journal um, at one point, and then there are a few clues later on while you're in the caves. You find Beth's grave and a few other indicators, but um, yeah. So then you discover that uh, Hannah Beth died. Hannah was injured, and after days after uh, weeks of starvation, got desperate and and dug up the sister and uh did the cannibalism <laughs> and slowly over time mutated into one of these monsters and she's the main one that's uh that's chasing you yeah i mean gruesome enough that she had to, to, to she was I, th I think she was injured in a cave or something and uh yeah. her, and her sister beth died upon that impact probably from yeah. the gruesome back blow that we see her take in the prologue and so hannah yeah. to survive uh eats her the corpse of her sister yep um so she, so she she didn't i don't think she had to kill beth she like beth was already dead from the fall yeah beth was already dead she she like dug up the grave oh it's, yeah it's oh weird they stay okay, okay. Um, that, 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 that is rough she made a makeshift grave for beth that you find but um had dug it up to survive um and you find like scratch marks on the walls and stuff um and actually if you find the information um in order to find those clues, you have to find those clues about Hannah to actually get a certain, there's an extra ending scene you can get and it affects what happens to Josh at the end. Um, and actually, and that's another, that's another one bit where I had to reload a save because um, the butterfly effect that pops up. If you walk past the diary just tells you, you missed a vital clue. And I'm just like, well, sh shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know what that is. <laughs> Um, yeah, but but this but um, when you learn about what Wendigos are, that uh, that makes the game take a more supernatural route and and, and less you know mm -hmm. psycho in the cabin route. And uh, and learning that one of the Wendigos or perhaps the the leader of the Wendigos is Hannah makes uh, like makes that supernatural enemy take a more like have come from a more emotional place. Yeah, and, I know. And, it's uh, actually, yeah, it's fairly effective. Yeah, and and you like you can really feel the guilt and despair of the survivors in the in the scenes where uh th where they're being chased by Hannah or know what's happened to Hannah, and it's a it's like it's a it's a good turn. I I, I think that the way it's set up, um, the the twist feels earned and feels meaningful at, at least. But again, I didn't get to experience it for myself, and I'm still a little bit mad at myself that that was the case. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if you just because I, I installed, I, I bought I bought the game months ago and installed it and then didn't touch it. So maybe my PS4 just had enough time to simmer. <laughs> I don't know how this yeah, works. I, I don't know. I I know I installed yeah. it. I installed it weeks ago, and then I ran into the error. Uh, and then I ran into the error uh, when I tried playing it. Uh, you, have like, 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 light, you have to like lightly saute the disc in herbs and like prepare it on low heat. Um. <laughs> or, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I gotta uh, like like put it in and take it out and blow on it a little bit and then put it in again. I it's I I really don't know what I was doing wrong. And I I now, did now I, we're playing with power. Yeah, I did search around a little bit, and some people were experiencing similar errors that I was that I got, but. Uh, but like, and I think some of them deleted all the data and restarted the machine and put it back in, and it worked. But uh, but some of them were still having problems beyond yeah. that. And then I I didn't go too deep into the jungle of forum threads and Reddit uh, posts that were, you know, you know, that were right. discussing that. Uh, but 
Um, but, but it was frustrating that I was unable to play it because I was definitely intrigued at the beginning. And the more I read about this, I'm like, man, this seems like a really good <laughs> horror game and a really good choice-based game. Yeah. Uh, and I can see why so many people were excited about by it. Yeah, I um, hope you get it working sometime because even though I, I, like I said, I'd watched a Let's Play ages ago, so I did kind of know what was going to happen. The experience of playing it is quite enjoyable. Um, do do we want to actually before we move on? We do we we didn't talk about totems yet. Do we want to touch on that gameplay mechanic real quick? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you find these items called totems lying around. They're mostly easy to see. I mean, I I only got to find yeah. two in my playing, but they were basically just a, lying, a couple lying of them in... are pretty deviously. Okay. Hidden. Okay. Yeah. The ones I, the ones I saw were in plain sight. But when you see when you examine a totem, you get a brief scene that I, I feels like a scene from the future, or maybe a maybe an outcome to try and avoid. Yeah, so there there are five categories of totems, and there are five totems in each category. It's actually pretty clearly delineated. Um, and if you miss one, um, the, they're all shown in, in chronological order. So if you miss one and get one later, it'll show you the blank gap where it was. So you, it actually makes hunting down and finding them again. Um, after you beat it once, you can skip around chapters. It makes getting those collectibles a lot easier. Okay, so you can you can find totems that'll show the death of the character you're currently playing as, that show the death of another character, that show dangerous events that might happen, usually like quick time events, uh, totems that uh, offer guidance, like they'll show you where to go. One of those is like um, if you want to find Hannah's journal, for example, um, if you find the right guidance totem, it shows you a picture of a water wheel, and that's where you're supposed to look. Um, and then there's fortune totems, which basically um, they make certain events go by a little easier um, um, or offer basically reprieves. I think I think they're kind of designed to, like, make some of those bad outcomes easier to avoid. Um, but all of them show you a brief little image of the future, and you kind of have to go from there to remember the situation that it's going to place yourself in. I think it's a really interesting mechanic. Um, and also, as you collect them, you get a little narrated backstory you collect snippets of that tells you what happened to the miners um, and uh, what the stranger has been doing in his spare time. Um, right, and the stranger is the guy that's been hunting down Wendigos for years. Yeah, yeah, flamethrower guy. Right. Mm-hmm. For for a while, I was, again, I, I, this is me watching videos and reading about the game, I was con- accidentally conflating the stranger and the psycho because they, they, yeah. they – uh, uh, referred to the masked Josh running his prank as the psycho and uh, this guy as this uh, hunting down Wendigos as the stranger. And it's like, there's a stranger and a psycho and Wendigos and Oh boy. It's, it's a lot going on. It's easy to conflate the two. Yeah. Um, and, and well, and honestly they think that the stranger's responsible for all this at first. Yes. Which is not the craziest idea, honestly. Like no, it's... it's understandable from their perspective. <laughs> there's a Josh even, I think Josh even, um, uh, he makes a lot of fake clues to make you think um, it is the stranger because he wants to create an alibi for himself. So he prints off fake newspapers, fake yeah, and, and, he, and he fakes his own death because he has a uh, deep knowledge of special effects or something. Yeah, he's, which is, I mean, okay, it's flimsy, but whatever. <laughs> it's a, I'm not going to overthink the logic of that too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, like mechanically wise, there are a lot of items to collect that you can examine. They offer clues um, as to what's going on. Some of them are pretty basic stuff, like just context for more events. You find family photos of Hannah, Beth, and Josh. And then some of them are really, really quite important ones that offer more info on the mining accident or um, right. the, the history of the sanatorium or a videotape that shows a dude turning into a Wendigo. Yeah, um, and, and a, lot, a lot of those are sort of how they introduce the uh, the Wendigo myth. Is like Because I remember I've read some stuff about the miners that you're able to find along the way. It's They, they, they don't hit you with that information like a hammer they're they're reasonably environmental and gradual about that yeah it, it yeah it's it, it's it's definitely i think it's handled fairly well as far as these things go um definitely kind of a creeping sense of dread as you move along also the game loves like absolutely loves to make you reach your it's the, the silent hill 2 thing where you have to reach your hand into a dark hole and you don't know what's going to happen like, you know there's a jump scare or something coming. You're just kind of mm-hmm. waiting for it. It's, there are a couple times I yelled at my TV because I was just like, I know this is happening. Just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that Until Dawn executes on its ideas pretty successfully. I mean, we're talking about a lot of specific moments and specific lore that are, I, I think, pretty interesting within the game. But uh, you mentioned that you did 
get all eight players to survive. Uh, sort of, what's the end game scenario that, uh, or describe the end game scenario in which you survive? Uh, okay, so the end game scenario. Um, uh, if if they're alive up to this point, Matt and Jessica, the two side characters who have been separated from the group, have their own little escape getaway, and then they will be marked safe if they survive that last sequence. Then all the other characters, so Mike, Chris, uh, Sam, Emily, and Ashley are in the house. Um, And as they're on their way out, the Wendigos have them cornered in the foyer, the foyer. Um, So there are three Wendigos in that room. And then as Sam and Mike, you you have to, they notice that there is a gas leak essentially. And, you have to go through this this plan of getting over to a light bulb, breaking it, throwing the switch, and setting the house on fire. You have to do this in such a way you have to basically it'll keep prompting you to make decisions and to hold the controller skills so the Wendigos don't see you because their movement is vision ba- is their vision is movement based, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, like a T Rex in Jurassic Park. Um, uh, and if, if you blow the switch too early, everyone who's left in the house will die. So you have to wait, you have to make decisions and avoid the monsters in such a way that everyone gets a chance to run for the door. Um, and once you're free to do that, Sam will throw the switch on her way out and everyone gets out. If you fail to do this, or as if you, if you, if you fail to, if you fail one of the controller, one of the, the movement checks, um, Sam gets killed. Um, uh, if you fail, if you make the wrong decision, like if you run for the switch too early, they could get caught in the blaze, or one of the Wendigos will catch Ashley or Emily going for the door, and they will get their uh, their death animation will play out. Mm. Um, so, um, so, so, lot- a, so a, a lot of the decisions, not all of them, but several of the ones that determine whether you get everyone out are in this final scenario. Like you, yeah. could go, you, you could go from. Eight to two or eight to zero in this final scenario, potentially. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Like, um, yeah. It's it's uh. So a- anyone who has already survived up to this point could potentially get killed in this scenario. And if everyone is dead, and Mike has to go for the switch, and Mike has to to then Mike dies too because he'll light a he'll he has a lighter on him and he will ignite the gas himself and blow himself up with all the windigos. And that's the no survivor ending. Um. Mm. meanwhile josh actually josh's fate is actually sealed earlier on either um if you find enough information if you don't find enough information on hannah she will kill him on the spot but if you do find all the clues about her she ends up dragging him away and in the final scene they show a shot of him eating eating something and then looking into the camera with fangs and he's a oh now. oh mm-hmm. man so that yeah that, so so that's almost the end credit scene or the post credit scene where uh, in a potential sequel, Josh could be the Wendigo chasing everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, but that's, that's me. That's, that's the main scenario. So you can, so you can either stall long enough to get everybody out during that final segment. And also have made the correct decisions for, for Jessica, Matt and Josh, or you did not make the right decisions for some of them along the way, and some of them will get out. Um, everyone who survives has a few lines of dialogue in the end credits. Um, and then, um, or you just really royally screwed up and everyone doesn't, nobody makes it out alive. <laughs> well, all right. That, that seems dramatic as hell. I, I might, I might have to watch a video of that or something, but it, it's a, but... it's a pretty tense sequence. Oh yeah. I, I'm reasonably confident that, that Mike and Sam cannot die in the main game until that final sequence, because it really is kind of requires them both to be there. Um, but everyone else is fair game. Right on. So that was most of until dawn. Uh, a slasher horror decision-based game that had enough decisions and enough storytelling that we uh, decided to cover it for the website. As you, as we mentioned before, uh, we have a review and a uh, uh, an archived Twitch stream of um, of Until Dawn on RPG Fan. But I I, I want to talk about the future of Until Dawn a little bit. There was a semi sequel that I think was on PS4 VR. And uh, but I we we didn't cover that. I don't know much about it. And uh, the game that developed until dawn, Supermassive Games, has had a couple follow-ups in the sort of 
murder detective murder drama uh, genre, if that is a genre. They they had a pretty interesting game in 2017 called Hidden Agenda, which was a mm-hmm. sort of detective uh, serial killer game where uh, where things can go well, or po- which is also very heavily decision based. And uh, things can go very well or very poorly for your character based on uh, inv- your investigation and your decisions. And also had a multiplayer component where uh, while you were trying to solve a mystery, you could you could sabotage the other players or try to complete a secret mission separate from the other players, which uh, was pr- was well-received for its multiplayer ideas, but less well-received than, than Until Dawn for its storytelling and decision stuff. But, but it still at least looks interesting. Um, and I think that was also a PS4 exclusive. But most recently... Supermassive Games, which is a, a UK company, I don't know if that's uh, if that's important or not. Uh, they worked on a new thing that is uh, it's not out yet. It's called uh, Man of Medan, and it's the first game in a uh, in an anthology series that they're working on called The Dark Pictures. And they're no longer Sony exclusive. This is this is going to be on uh, Windows, PS4, and Xbox. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's meant to be an anthology series, so they're going to have a uh, a game that is probably smaller than Until Dawn, and probably not as high budget as big budget as Until Dawn, but release yeah. a new one of them uh, every year, or perhaps even two uh, two a year. Uh, Which, uh, it sounds ambitious. Um, yeah, it definitely doesn't have the it, do, it doesn't have quite as much money to throw around. But um, yeah, they're being public. They're being published by Bandai Namco. Uh, which is not a small video game company, but this is, uh, mm. but 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 still, this is very ambitious, and I think that the that the success of Man of Medan and the other Dark Pictures games will both sort of show us really how much of an elite studio Supermassive Games is, and also how much uh, how much thirst the gaming audience has for these small to medium sized horror dramas. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm definitely curious about it. Um, yeah, I wish I do wish they'd come up with a better name than the Dark Pictures because I'm just getting Dark Universe flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think Dark Pictures or Man of Madan is as cool a title as Until Dawn, which is you know Until Dawn two words. Uh, they even say the title of the game of, of the game in the game, which I always find hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, and uh, and is very marketable. Very people understand the concept almost immediately. But Dark Pictures Man of Madan requires some explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, 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 that sure was Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Yeah, no kidding. But anyway, uh, it, it's uh, it's another horror game, and Man of Madan is uh, set on a uh, in the ocean. Six people are trapped in a boat, uh, and it turns out it's a ghosty boat. So I love they, ghosty boats. Sign oh me yeah, up. Go, ghost, be- ghosty boats is one of my favorite subgenres. Is there going to be a gratuitous scene involving razor wire? Because if so, I am in. Maybe I have. I don't know much about Man of Madonna. and it comes out in a few months. It comes out on August thirtieth, so we uh, uh, we don't have real information on it. But I don't know. Maybe it's something we could cover. I, I, it would at least be a discussion that we would have uh, before asking for a code from Bandai Namco. For sure, there are yeah. there are also a couple of um, Until Dawn VR side games right, that, yeah, that aren't really mm-hmm. worth mentioning in much detail. But Rush of Blood is like a VR carnival ride that's Until Dawn themed, and then The Inpatient is a prequel set in the um, asylum. Oh, and, oh, and the sanatorium okay yeah that that, yeah. that that's cool but uh, i mean i heard, that, I heard it wasn't very good but <laughs> <laughs> right and uh and, and i heard that hidden agenda was sort of cooler ideas than execution that is and wasn't as good as until dawn so I'm, I'm i like if they can make a game as cool as until dawn and and uh make one or two of them a year for a few years that in this dark pictures anthology that seems like a tremendous accomplishment to me i i i i, I like i I don't think it will be the success that Until Dawn was because Until Dawn really owned the the gaming discourse for about two weeks in 2015. Yeah, I know when it came, it was really was this like I know people were really skeptical about it leading up to release. I think it was in development for quite some time, and then when it came out, it was kind of this like bolt of lightning thing. And I wonder if they're gonna be able to capture that lightning again. Um, maybe it's wise that they're doing something smaller scale with dark pictures. Um, yeah. But again, also, but, also, but also, will it live up to expectations? Again, it's a it's a it's a very very capitalist move. Like you have a major success, you want to have more major successes, so you try to replicate that success. Of course, you do that. You do that. You do that ten times out of ten. Um, mm-hmm. But the the problem is, I am wondering uh, what the audience demand is for more games like Until Dawn, and I sort of doubt that 
Until Dawn feels like lightning in a bottle to me. It was huge, and everyone was talking about it for a while in 2015. It was a big success. Like Everyone deserves a raise for how well Until Dawn did. But trying to recreate that in a horror genre anthology with probably less budget feels ambitious and more challenging and i wouldn't bet on it being a huge a huge success i i hope man of medan is good i i want all games to be good but yeah i i i don't know like until dawn feels special and unique and and has and perfect timing and i don't and now everyone is is streaming everything and uh and until dawn sort of came around at the perfect time for the younger medium of uh, of of uh of streaming video games to be yeah. a to be a phenomenon, but but still, of course I'm interested in this. Like I I mean, ghosty boats, uh, uh, <laughs> decision based gameplay, murder ship, yeah, all of that. I want all of that. But yeah. uh, I mean, with, it, with they, how, they, they have an uncertain future. With how much um, uh, certain genres of horror found their niche with streaming and YouTube, um, like Five Nights at Freddy's, oh, still oh, is yeah, still geez. going strong. That was that was one of those cultural phenomenons that came and went, but is still going strong. If you if, if you in the background, like there are novels, there are new games, um, there are all that stuff. Um, maybe I'm hoping that maybe um, Dark Pictures will find an audience still, and especially now that we don't have Telltale anymore for narrative adventure yeah. games. My, my my fear is that uh, Supermassive will turn into Telltale. Telltale overextend. Yeah. Uh, Telltale had a couple early successes, especially Walking Dead season one, and kept trying to recreate that success. And then they stretched themselves thin and ultimately uh, collapsed very suddenly and unexpectedly. That that's yeah. Th- th- that that feels like the and nightmare now, scenario. And, and now because of bad bad rights management, um, you can't buy a lot of their games anymore, and more of them will be unavailable as time goes on, which is really sad. Yeah, I'm I'm um, terrified to clear my hard drive cache because I don't want to lose my copies of of Batman and and uh, and Walking Dead. Yeah, no kidding. Physical, phys- phys- okay, this is this is off topic, but I do need to bring this up because this actually really kind of upsets me. Um, Physical copies of a lot of those Telltale games are going to be near useless now because most of those were episode one on the disc with download vouchers for the rest of them. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's that's done. Like that that business model in hindsight was so incredibly short sighted. That makes sense from a practicality standpoint, because I mean, they can't load all five episodes on one disc until episode five comes out. Episode five probably isn't ready by the time episode one comes out. It's basically it's basically a season pass in disc form. But but it, it's but if the download's gone, then that disc is just just chapter one, and might and that chapter one might not even be playable if it needs some kind of digital handshake to work. Yeah, oof, that's uh, it's 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 that that's an uneasy. That's this makes me uneasy as far as the dig, the medium goes. Well, for me, the obvious solution is I have to keep my seven year old desktop computer working forever. So that sounds great. <laughs> uh, just don't uh, don't delete your don't delete your games, kids. Just buy increasingly bigger hard drives. <laughs> well, I am doing that, <laughs> even even <laughs> even without the fear of losing games that lose their licenses. But uh, but until dawn. Very, very interesting narrative game. Probably not an RPG, but definitely a cool version of storytelling that uh, that I, I think a, a couple episodes ago I was talking to Alana and we were mentioning that this episode was upcoming, was upcoming and she said it, she thought Until Dawn was her favorite choice-based game. And hmm. th- those are strong words. This is a game where yeah. the choices are frequent and seem meaningful and there's cool lore and cool plot. Like, I, I think yeah. this is... An almost ideal ten-hour experience. It's yeah, one hundred percent. It's like a long movie or a mini series that you can play and be satisfied with, and have some replay value for, to see the different endings or try to survive with all eight characters. I think yeah. there is smart storytelling decisions in this game, and just cool, cool writing and cool visual effects. Like the, the motion capture felt really good in this game. You could it see, does. You, yeah. you could, you could like. When I in chapter one, basically right before my game crashed, uh, you could have Ashley uh, show Matt the telescope or not, so Matt could see his girlfriend hugging her ex or not, and seeing like the the seeing Ashley uncertain about the telescope and seeing Matt react because I had I I had her give the telescope to Matt and seeing yep. Matt react to that, I'm like, this is this feels like acting in a video game. This isn't just programming or just uh, like there is. There was nuance in these visuals 
that yeah, felt what that, that it felt so impressive. Yeah, what they're able to convey with is with the actors is feels genuine, and um, there's even a bunch of making of featurettes on the discs. So that's like, awesome. Mm. Yeah, as you as as you play it, you get making of videos, interviews with the cast, all that good stuff, and it's like it's great. It's great. It really is. Yeah, this it feels game, like a lot of genuine love and effort went into making this. This game lives in movie ideas, and for once, like, and not for once, but. Uh, Calling this game cinematic is a compliment, and not and not you know making fun of a movie license game. Yeah, this is this isn't the David Cage scenario where he's totally never seen Blade Runner. Yeah, like <laughs> like like this 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 feels like a game made by artists who love what they're doing, but also know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's homage and celebration, and not a blatant ripoff, and just just a really cool game in general. I am so mad that my PS4 was not cooperating with me. I I may try to. Even though I know most of how the game works out, I I was eager to continue when I was in in uh, in yeah. chapter one. I'm like, oh man, I'm all right. I'm meeting all of these people. I know mm-hmm. that any of them might die. That's exciting to me. I, I want to keep playing. And then I and then my game crashed near the end of chapter one, or what I what I, I, what I, I think is near the end of chapter one. I do I do hope you 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 get it working sometime because it is really fun to play. And I know we're recording this in the middle of June, but uh. Uh, especially around the Halloween season, I can see this being really oh, fun man. with friends. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I would love playing this over like a Halloween weekend or something. Because yeah, my... again, again, the game is nine or ten hours. You can beat it in a couple sittings. Yeah, my, my girlfriend was help was help was was making decisions with me for a couple se- yeah, sessions, well, and it was just a lot of fun. The, I I didn't do this, but I know several of my friends would like played this at a party, and people were like yelling from the couch like they were yelling at a at a horror movie. Uh, oh, do that, do this, not that. Like, and it. That seems like an excellent way to play. You you can you can totally play this game cooperatively, and I uh, every part of that idea sounds great. Yeah, then it's 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 like my first. Uh, yeah, it really is like the the best way to experience a lot of horror properties is in a group. It's like my first experience <laughs> with P. My first experience with PT was trying to solve all the puzzles with two other bros, and then screaming my head off when we got jumped. Um, and I feel until dawn is definitely could definitely be a really fun experience. Yeah, one way. of a one of a small number of scenarios where I sort of welcome welcome backseat gaming when when it it feels cooperative and not like one person's trying to take over from the player. <laughs> the, hand, the, me the, <laughs> hand me the input. Device. This is a, this is a single player game that you can su- play as a pseudo multiplayer that I sort of love. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. But all right, well, I mean, it sounded like we were really popular on this game and slightly worried but optimistic about Man of Medan, or sorry, the Dark Pictures colon Man of Medan. But uh, I, I think we're, we're I think we were done, about basically done talking about the past, present, and future of Until Dawn, and it's time to move into the future of Retro Encounter. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with Peter and I and talking about this game that I wish I could have fe- played. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have um, uh, uh, several exciting Retro Encounter episodes for you coming up. Um, next week, we're going to have a very negative episode that Peter, you and I have been part of planning for a few weeks. We're going to record it very soon. So I'm, yes. really, I'm really looking forward to see how that turns out. And yeah, uh, and following that, we're going to have episodes on Trials of Mana, a game that I'm really excited to play for the, oh, I don't know, eighth or ninth time. <laughs> uh, I don't collection like the minute it was available <laughs> I, I i downloaded it I, I was in los angeles without my switch when it came out but i downloaded it the hour i got back home and uh, i've already finished one playthrough of it i'm uh again it's a game i've been i've been playing off and on for oh since the early 2000s so 16 or 17 years and i'm really really glad that so many more people are discovering it and enjoying it and uh i'm, I'm like i'm gonna be super obnoxious during that podcast like oh uh you you did this huh you you could have done this like there's, there's gonna be a lot of that and i apologize in advance but um, i'm so glad that people are discovering this game that i've loved for a long time and it's gonna be and uh, i haven't replayed it in quite a few years so this uh this recent replay was very fun and nostalgic for me but Yes, we're having two episodes on Trials of Mana in July, and that means that our Wild Arms 3 episodes were pushed back. So uh, don't worry, those will still happen, just probably in August or September, and not July. But uh, listeners, if you want to contact us, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. I especially want to hear your input uh, about episode ideas, because uh, Peter, uh, you were on a few of these, but we did episodes on uh, video game-based movies, and on uh, an RPG villain, we had a special Kefka episode, we did a quiz show episode, and we did a, re- a revisited episode for an old, basically just re-examining a game we covered in the podcast years ago. Um, if you, ha- uh, Listeners, if you have any podcast ideas for, in those categories or other things, I want to hear your ideas, the, and the only way I can know what you're thinking is if you contact us. So please email retro at rpgfan.com 
or visit RPG Fans Boards, or the Facebook page, or the Instagram, or Twitter, or our Discord server, or our Twitch streams, which go on almost every evening. Uh, there are also two other fine podcasts, Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter. Both Peter and I have been on many of those, and uh, you can re- you can review Rando, sorry, Random <laughs> Rhythm or Retro Encounter on iTunes or Google Play or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Please give all the feedback that you want to. Uh, but Peter, if a listener wants to get in touch with you directly, how do they do so? Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so at I Have Fury on Twitter. I'm there way too often. Um, you can also find me Peter T at RPGFan.com if you want to reach out to me with any site-related inquiries. Right, and uh, listeners, if you want to reach me, the best way to do so is also Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and I'm Monsoon Mike on the RPG Fan Discord and Monsoon on the RPG Fan forums. Whew. I feel like I just got chased by a Wendigo. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, well, I've been, I've been, I've been hiding from a Wendigo for this whole hour thirty minutes that we've been, uh, we've been podcasting. But uh, oh jeez, yeah. Fortunately, they see by movement, so they, they, I and I am extremely stationary at this computer right now. But uh, uh, listeners, um, don't get eaten by a Wendigo. Thank you. Good night and good luck. And survive until dawn. There ain't no one will be around to help you until dawn. <laughs> that's that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I wasn't kidding. I love it when they say the title of of the movie or the game in the movie or the game. It's so silly. It is, it is one of my favorite tropes. Yeah, um, it's it's so silly, and I love it every time.